Hi, and welcome to the Workplace Podcast with me, Michelle Barrett of Metapies. Today, I was joined by Michael Duplessis, Director of Green Ice. He spoke so passionately about input-output analysis, and I particularly enjoyed the details he shared around Climate Active. Michael is a visionary with so much insight to share. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Workplace Podcast. Hi, Michael. Lovely to have you here today. We're here for the Workplace Podcast. Really great to have you. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Well, let's kick off. Can you tell me a little bit about your company, Green Ice, your role and a little bit about your experience? So, uh, Michelle, Green Ice is a small consulting company and it sort of does a portfolio of things. do quite a lot of work for the commercial explosives industry around safety and compliance. But on the other side, I also do work in carbon footprinting and carbon accounting. And I also do some work uh, with Sydney Uni, mentoring students with this Master of Sustainability projects. Oh, that's wonderful. Very good. So how does your PhD tie in in chemistry? Well, I was interested in science at school and it just naturally flowed. I went to university, studied science, and I got in with a, a very enthusiastic bunch of fellow students who were studying chemistry and the chemistry department that I was in was very good and dynamic and I just sort of stayed there until I got to the PhD. <laughs> uh, I had a very enjoyable time and for a time I thought I might be an academic but uh, I wanted to get out of the ivory tower. Wonderful and so how did that lead you to your current field of work? Well I was studying the PhD and it was very theoretical and the university was really only interested in generating new knowledge and I've been interested in applying science in the real world and making a difference. So I decided to try my hand in industry. I got a job in a South African subsidiary of ICI, which is a big British chemical company, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and I was posted to work in their explosive research laboratory doing industrial research. Wow. So that's how I pretty much ended up in industry and I've been doing that ever since mm. in some form or another. And so how does that link then into your work with Green Ice and workplace consulting? Well, in about 2000, I left that explosive industry. There was a big downturn. So I left and I then got a job working in Sydney Water Corporation and I was in R&D and they were doing a lot of work on environmental accounting and, and uh, general sustainability. And I got really interested in that. And then when I left Sydney Water, I thought, well, I'd like to do some work in, in that field as well. Mm. And does that, have you got extra training that comes alongside that? Well, while I was working in the water industry, I, I started working with Sydney University, who were developing... Uh, economic models for doing environmental and carbon accounting. And so I'd done a few projects with, with the university. We'd funded some, and I was interested in applying those models. When I left Sydney Water, I was interested in applying those models and using them in business and helping companies to understand their carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. That was about 10 years ago. Oh, wonderful. And so how does your business actually do carbon accounting? What does that mean for people that are new to the carbon world? Well, I have access to some models developed by Sydney University, and these models are economic models. So what, well, let me just step back. Carbon accounting can be fiercely complicated. 
mind-bogglingly complicated and puts a lot of people off. The Sydney Uni approach is, is, uh, uses financial data to allow you to determine your carbon footprint, where your environmental footprint more broadly. So it's much easier for a company to do that because you're just using information out of the accounting system. Mm. It is not an engineering task, it is a financial task. Mm. And that's really interesting when we're looking at life cycle analysis, isn't it? That that's a very workload cumbersome <laughs> process. And then this input-output analysis is much more streamlined and simplified. That's correct. So input-output analysis is the, the, the theoretical basis upon which the Sydney Uni model is based. And using those tools, you can measure the carbon footprint of an organisation, big mm. or small, but you can also do life cycle assessment, sort of cradle-to-grave assessment of the carbon emissions in a product or mm. indeed in a service. Yes, wonderful. As long as you've got financial data available, you can do that. Oh, wonderful. That's excellent. So what themes, strategies or approaches do you consider when undertaking this input and out output analysis for businesses at the moment? Well, I like to take a strategic approach and talk to the companies. And, well, the companies talk to me and say, you know, we know we need to understand what our current footprint uh, might be. They know that climate change is out there and, and they know they need to do something, but they're not sure what. So what we, I tend to talk to them about is trying to do what I call a top-down analysis where we look at you know, where they spend their money, what goods and services they procure through their supply chain, mm -hmm. what electricity they may use, what fuel they may use, and we incorporate all of those that information into the model, which then gives them a very high-level view of their carbon footprint it breaks down the emissions into categories and so they can see which what are the main sources of carbon emissions in this in their supply chain often mm. so their biggest impacts really their biggest impacts mm. and the thing that's not always understood is that for most organizations most of their carbon emissions come through the supply chain mm. more than 80 and sometimes 90 percent of the emissions come through the supply chain not Other, from the work they're actually doing themselves. Not from the work they're doing. The work they're doing, they use electricity, yes. They might use a bit of petrol in vehicles. But those things tend to be quite small. Most of the emissions come through the supply chain. And that's where this model that Sydney Uni has developed is so powerful because it allows you to effectively unpack the su supply chain, sort of infinitely up the supply chain to understand where do your emissions come from and when you know where they come from, then you can start tackling them and seeing what you can do to reduce them. Mm, that's really great insight. Mm. Wonderful. What are the most important aspects that your business undertakes for the clients you work with in the workplace sector and why? I think, well, the first thing is, is trying to understand, you know, what their carbon, where their carbon emissions come from and then how can they tackle them. And the, the workplace element is really important because Reducing carbon emissions is, is there are lots of little things. There's, there's no silver bullet. So I found that engaging the the organisation, the people work in the organisation, they the people have got lots of good ideas on how how you can reduce your carbon emissions, how you can make yourself more sustainable, and the upside to that is, is that actually makes the organisation more attractive as an employ, employer. So people want to come work for that company. And so the, the tools that I have access to through the models, they just enable those things to happen. 
to allow the organisation to then step out on that quite long journey at trying to become more sustainable. Well, it's validating what most people somewhat understand in themselves, isn't it, and their businesses. If you know your business well enough, you should be able to validate that through this process. That is, that is correct. But I will add that often, sometimes it's counterintuitive and sometimes when they go through this analysis, they find things that are a high carbon intensity, which they wouldn't have thought of. You know, there's co- many things like, you know, food, for example, you know, companies might put on lunches now and again, or they might do something for their clients, and suddenly they realise that uh, food products or agricultural products are very carbon intensive. And so they say, oh, we're surprised when our, our food emissions are much higher than our fuel emissions or our travel emissions. It can be counterintuitive. You, you're often surprised. You think you know what's, co- what's driving your carbon footprint, but often something else you might have overlooked. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. So looking ahead to the future, what do you think we can expect to see as we come closer to net zero? Well, I think what's going to happen is that carbon accounting, effectively measuring your carbon footprint, is going to be just like financial accounting. It's going to sit next to your financial accounts, and and this is something you're going to have to do, and this is something that's going to drive your plans for net zero. And the problem with net zero is that when your most of your emissions come from the supply chain, then it's really hard to reduce them. And that means that companies are going to have to talk to their suppliers. They're going to have to engage with their suppliers to see what they are doing. And then those, those suppliers are going to have to engage with their suppliers. Mm. So it's, it's going to be a long journey of, of engagement and discussion and encouragement so that you want to read I want to reduce my emissions but those emissions are going to have to be re- reduced by my supplier doing the right thing yes and, so it's and really measuring. You're working together as a community to it's working together as a community yes yes yes, yes. Oh, wonderful so what do you think the future is for your organization then these changes out in the market with everyone else do you think that your organization will grow in the future? Um, I'm not sure my organisation will necessarily grow because I'm quite small. What I find exciting is that I will be engaged. But what is happening now is there are a lot more organisations that are working in this space. And I think what's really exciting is that is creating opportunities for lots of younger people. There's whole new career paths for younger people to get involved in in sustainability and to help their organisation and other organisations head to net zero. So, you know, I I look back a few years ago, you know, five years ago, the economy was moribund, there was, employment was hard for lots of people. I see that all changing now. I just see so many opportunities for uh, the new generation coming through. And and there's new technology, there's new ways of doing business. So I think it's a very, a very exciting time. And for me personally, part of my engagement with that process is to work with Sydney University and, and to work with the, the students and mentor them and help them to make the transition from the academic world into real practical on the ground work you know, in consulting or actually in corporations doing things. Mm. 
well, working alongside you myself, I can say they're very lucky to have you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, obviously, yeah. working with you. Uh, and look, I will say that I have been really, really impressed at the caliber of the, the graduates that I'm seeing, the master's students that I'm seeing. They are really excellent and so you know, enthusiastic. So I, I'm feeling very positive. That's wonderful. Where things will head. So on the projects that you work on, what are your key success metrics um, that you look for to ensure a good result? Well, I think, this, as I said before, this carbon accounting is can be complicated and there's a lot of jargon. What I try and do is, is simplify it and to try and distill it down to a message that resonates with the company or the business owner. So, so they can understand what this means for them and it gives them a pathway on what they could do to drive the emissions down. Mm. I found that's the most important thing. I've seen lots of reports and they're complicated and mind-bogglingly so. Mm. So I think it's, it's simplifying a complex field and helping the companies then to see a way forward mm. which they can then take action but also communicate what they're doing to their stakeholders and their, their customers. And that would be different for every single company? Every single company is different, yes. So um, you've got to tailor, tailor the, the outcomes so that it makes sense for them. Wonderful. And how do you think COVID has impacted uh, this demand for carbon footprinting analysis from the business world? What do you see for the future? Well, I actually think Maybe it's because lots of people were sitting around reflecting at home. Yes. <laughs> but I think COVID has, if anything, COVID's accelerated the interest in doing something about uh, climate change in its broader sense and, and driving down carbon emissions. So uh, I've talked to a lot of colleagues who work in the, in the consulting space and it has just absolutely blossomed. And it's gang gangbusters, to be honest. It's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, now things are really happening. Yes. Yeah. Well, we do need quick change, really, yeah. to get to know And I zero. think people, you know, again, reflecting around COVID, that coming out of COVID, we wanted the world to look different and we wanted to do things differently. And I think that's really a message that I'm seeing. Mm. And it's continuing. Yes, definitely. So for those people that are interested in kicking off their net zero trajectory, what advice would you give someone that was, say, starting this journey tomorrow? What would they consider along their journey? How do they start? Well, I think the first thing they need to do is just measure their carbon footprint. In doing so, they'll get an understanding, first of all, how, how that measurement process works. And they'll then get some insights into where the emissions come from, whether they ones they generate themselves internally or ones that are coming through the supply chain. And then they can identify you know, where the, what they need to do. And, and coming out of that process, they can develop then a strategy for achieving carbon reduction and net zero. And when I talk about a strategy, this is another business strategy, just like every other, no different to a marketing strategy or a sales strategy or an HR strategy. It's part, today, this is part and parcel of what business has to do. Mm. So for those companies that are moving toward reducing their carbon footprint, do you think they can actually meet net zero? And if not, how? Well, Michelle, net, net, net zero is very, very difficult to achieve. And you know the sort of things that companies will be doing is they'll be trying to reduce their electricity consumption by, more, by efficiency or using uh, renewable electricity sources. 
solar panels, whatever their situation is, they'll be trying to reduce their fuel use, for example, and eventually most, most of us all will have electric cars. But because of those, lots of those emissions, as I said, sometimes 80 to 90% come through the supply chain, you can, go, you can work with your suppliers to reduce them, but it might be impossible to completely reduce them. And that is when offsetting, when you do offsetting, so you offset those emissions. But offsetting should be the last resort. So you, you offset when there's, there's no other way for you to reduce the emissions. And I think what will happen is that companies will do so much and then they'll offset the rest, and then new technology will come along, new business methods will come along, and there'll be further reduction, and then they can offset a little bit less. But the, the worst thing you can do is, a, is offsetting has had a bit of a bad reputation. And I mean, some of the offsets, there's been criticism about the, the quality of them, whether they actually really reduced carbon. But the other criticism is that some companies, what they do is they just have business as usual, and then they buy offset to make the problem go away. And they don't actually do any emission reductions. And uh, that's no longer acceptable. Mm. So take a plane flight but offset it instead of reducing the plane flight and doing a Zoom call. That is exactly right. Mm. That is exactly correct, yes. 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 And there's, uh, there is a Australian federal government program called uh, Climate Active, which allows companies to go carbon neutral. And this is a, a good program. It's a certified program, so companies can get a certification. And that program requires companies to measure their carbon footprint and then they can offset it to be carbon neutral. Now, that program is starting to put a lot of pressure on companies before they offset, tell us what your carbon reduction plan is. So what are you going to do to re reduce emissions over time? So it's not just business as usual. You have to do things differently and then, as a last resort, reduce your emissions. And so for those companies that engage in Climate Active, is this good for business? Uh, it is, good, it is good for business because if you... I talked about a supply chain earlier. So if you are purchasing goods and service from a, a Climate Active certified supplier that's carbon neutral, then th those services are, are net zero emissions for you. Wonderful. So that is how you can actually reduce your emissions if you buy from a carbon neutral or a climate active certified supplier. Mm. And this climate active program is growing very strongly and there are now lots of companies in that network. And so you, you can source uh, uh, pro goods and services that have been certified carbon neutrals. Mm. So that's, that's a, a benefit. The, the other benefit that companies are finding is that they can use it for their marketing. In other words, consumers are looking for products that are, that are sustainable and so you'll see more and more, even in consumer goods, carbon neutral products being advertised. Mm. And I'd say the third benefit that companies have is that, let's say, small to medium-sized companies that supply to large corporates, the large corporates often require their suppliers to be doing something to, re to be more sustainable. And so if you come to a supplier and say, I'm a climate active certified carbon neutral company, that that will put you ahead of the queue in terms of the procurement process. Yes, it's very much something consumers are looking for out in the market at the moment. Exactly, and you know, uh, large service organisations, particularly like banks, 
and uh, you know big law firms they're very much on the front foot they're looking for their suppliers to be on the same journey oh, wonderful well that's great have you got any more tips on or um, thoughts on offsets before we move forward if you go through the climate active program the the offsets the climate active have approved are very good offsets they've been certified internationally or in Australia and so there are there are good ones um, and if you talk to the right people they can advise you on ones that are credible I mean I, I will say just about offsets uh, if we look at the Australian offsets they also have a social benefit because uh, for example there are offsets in northern Australia related to savannah burning and those projects are, are creating employment for Aboriginal communities wonderful so the money that is going uh, investments you make in the offset is a project that's going to reduce emissions by different uh, land use practices for example but it's also going to apply you know provide employment for those communities those for example those Aboriginal communities where in in remote areas where employment may be less secure so mm. th th there's a benefit of choosing the right offset and companies are promoting those social benefits as well as part of of their corporate citizen yes being a good corporate citizen so they're doing something for the environment but they're also doing something for the community wonderful so it's a win-win excellent that sounds fantastic as companies work through their strategies is there a percentage that you like to advise them to reduce every year to get to this net zero or is it a moving target michelle that's definitely a moving target every, every company is different and for some companies who are who are let's say service organizations who don't who don't make stuff you know don't create don't use a lot of energy those emissions are coming through the supply chain and that is very very hard to do and it's going to be a long journey of just chipping away and chipping away and chipping away so it's it's very dependent on the organization wonderful so what do you think the best piece of advice you've ever been given to deal with the role that you have well as i said my role is as a consultant and i i was i was not necessarily given advice but i was recommended a book called the the consultant's calling ah and this book talked about, you know, what it, what it means to be a consultant. And the thing that resonated with me, first of all, you need to like people and you like you need to help people. And, you know, I've got a lot of pleasure about working with people in my consulting business and helping them, be it, you know, a safety-related project, which I do some work in, or it's around helping them to get insights into how they can reduce their carbon emissions. It's very enjoyable to be able to help them and see them then move on and make changes themselves. Oh, wonderful. And do you have any advice for companies that are ready to kick this process off or ones that are actually already on the journey? Well, certainly the ones that haven't started, I would say it's not that complicated to measure, measure your carbon footprint. And again, Sydney University has done outstanding work and developed these economic models which make it a financial task, not not a environmental task effectively and for those that are have started already you've just got to just chip away at it it's just going to be a long long hard slog mm, wonderful yeah. and what's what's happening for you moving forward got anything exciting that's coming up uh i'm just going to uh 
probably keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm at my stage of life where I'm sort of, I'm not saying I'm slowing down, but I'll probably, probably where I head is to do more with the university and try and work with the, you know, the new generation that's coming through, the young, helping the younger people. That I think that ultimately could be my greatest contribution to making all this thing happen. That's so wonderful. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next projects. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs>